Well, recently we had an opportunity to attend a political gathering at which a locally elected politician was speaking and had invited some questions ahead of speaking. Um, people were sitting in the room scattered, you know, uh, so that people on the opposing sides of issues would be sitting right next to each other. And I was listening to both sides of this. And there were sides. And there were conclusions being made by each side. And there were responses that I heard from both sides that were based on what it felt like were snowballing sentiments rather than the core issue. Does that make sense? Like, this had happened, let's say this happens, this is a fact. If you roll that fact two different directions, it accumulates stuff as it goes, and it gets bigger and louder and more exaggerated as it goes either direction from the snowball. Well, it just so happens that um, I knew this politician's family from the time I was in, in junior high. And so what I tried to do as I was sitting there is listen to him as one of his parents would. Not naively, because you know all the wards. You plan them. <laughs> right? I mean, um, but with a mindset that had some compassion. What that enabled me to do while I was sitting there with a group of people, uh, many from Interfaith, people we work with, people that uh, carry our issues to the city and the parish and the state and, and the country, was here how both things could make sense. Now, I know that's ridiculous. But, and I know that I talk a lot about the idea that, um, you know, trying to serve as a, as a place where those discussions can happen requires being able to hold that tension some. I know I say that a lot. And I also say that we have to stand in integrity with our truth and speak our truth with love to power. None of that changes. But every one of us knows intelligent, caring people 
who is wound up on the exact opposite side of something from where we see truth lies. Isn't this true? Now, if they're intelligent, if they're caring people, how in the world can they come to an opposite conclusion that we assume is based on nothing but fact? Just ask me. Dog whistles. What people are responding to is what they hear, what is true for them. Though we may find it unimaginable. They, too, are a strand of this web that we all share. Holding up their part of this thing. Just like we are. Now, what I keep trying to suggest is that the healing and the beloved community that we long for is not a matter of making other people think we're right. I think it's more about dialing our spectrums to a place where we can hear all the different dog whistles and understand what's calling people. The Dalai Lama and Bishop, Archbishop Desmond Tutu would say what calls everybody is wanting joy. Now it doesn't matter if the way that you define that or the way that you expect to get there is through material gain or revenge or compassion, or social justice, or moral action, or belonging, or finding someone to love. Does, whatever it is that has meaning for you, you are following that because somewhere in you is something that tells you that is where joy waits. Now, the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu have a luxury that very few of us will ever know. They get to go to bed early. They get to sleep eight hours. And they get to have a morning ritual of between three and five hours of prayer and meditation. Now, I would imagine that would go a long way to change your capacity for carrying peace in the world. Because I personally think those kinds of spiritual disciplines have a whole lot of value.
But they also talk about that it is, that pain is necessary for beautiful things to be born, just like childbirth. The tension and stress that happen in cells is what makes things, it makes all of physics work. There is nothing in life that is worthwhile or accomplished ultimately without that tension, without that pain, without, and if, you know, I have often thought if my life had been harder, I'd be a better songwriter. <laughs> you know, you always hear about the, the torment, the tortured artist, the tormented artist. And I think it's true in a lot of ways that these people have had pain that brings forth something beautiful from someplace we can't even imagine. The Dalai Lama has been exiled from his home for 56 plus years. I don't know at what point the book I'm reading was written. Um, the Archbishop has prostate cancer that has recurred. They know pain. Talking about Nelson Mandela, Archbishop Tutu was saying that you know, he was the head of the armed resistance when he, was in, when he went to prison. And that 27 years in prison changed him. But the archbishop said he imagined it was necessary pain. The discomfort and the angst that we self-impose so that we might feel like we're standing with someone else in their struggle is not the fire of refinement. It's not the furnace. It's not that thing that changes us. It, the things that we don't like, that we don't invite, that can wear at us like water on stone, that shape us, or they can burn us like the, the refiner's fire and purify us, are the ones we don't want. The changes we can't imagine, the things we don't know that we can contain, but all of those things make joy more possible. How's that for a paradox? But we have a choice whether to do that or to get stuck in the pain. They talk about that too. This book that I'm, that I'm referring to now is called The Book of Joy, and it's um, an interview with Archbishop Desmond Tutu and Dalai Lama trying to find out why in the world they're so capable of being joyful all the time. And they don't talk about joy as the same thing as happiness. 
happiness that's an emotion. You can have sadness and you can have pain and you can have uh, grief simultaneously with the joy that they consider a state of mind rather than an emotion. It's a deep contentment. It's a way of being in the world. It's what everybody's looking for. In this season of our church here where we're talking about personal spiritual growth and development, I want to again encourage us to do the things that develop our spiritual practices. We're not going to sit for five hours and meditate. If you do, I sure would like to know about it. Come tell me about it. Hope is not a strategy. But truth is a way. Compassion is a compass. And the joy that we can create that has to come from within us, not from anything external, can fuel the transformation of humankind. I believe it is the essence of Buddhism, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. I believe whether we call it love or call it compassion, it's the place in which the unfolding universe makes sense and comes into focus. Whether the topic is justice, social action, environment, religion, politics, education, or art, or anything else, I will come back to this point. By love alone, we're made ready. We're made our most ready to be part of what the Spirit makes one. And only with the courage that is born of deep compassion will we ever understand what's to come. But always things will change for the better. The longer of life will let us know. But it's by the power of love that it's done. We each have our part to play, answering the call of that whistle that's tuned to our hearts, minds, spirits, temperaments, circumstances, abilities, and histories. May we each awaken to that part. 